Hi, I'm Paul Strinkle and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's all about making sure you don't get caught out as we take a look at incident planning. So, settle back, get out your notepads and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. On this episode, we're going to take a look at uh, an interesting topic and a topic that often intrigues me, uh, the topic of business continuity uh, and how to build a full business continuity plan that stretches well beyond the realms of just our IT and just our technology. So to help me to explore that this week, I'm joined by Steve Lambert. Hi, Steve. Good morning. How are you? Are you okay? I'm good. Thank you very much. It's a good, bright, shiny day out there. So uh, yeah, we're all good. Yeah, we're re- re- uh, recording this in the uh, luxurious surroundings of the uh, Gardener Systems boardroom, so um, so we're getting special treats today, um, which, which is all very nice. Um, so, well, before we kick off, Steve, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, your background, and what it is you do? Yeah, I'm a consultant at BizCom Planning. I've uh, been with the organisation probably for about six or seven years now. Prior to that, uh, I work with local government as an emergency planning officer, so I've got a broad experience of... Uh, not only the external type of incidents that could affect the organisations, but also the internal business continuity elements, failure of IT, loss of building, loss of staff, etc. Okay, so we, we were talking um, we were talking before we started recording about business continuity, because I think for a lot of organisations, they see business continuity as an IT thing. So this is about, you know, I'll build a highly available system, I make sure I've got decent backups and I can I can recover data. Um, I, I mean, is that true, or business continuity, does it stretch beyond just technology? It, it does, and business continuity actually was born out of IT disaster recovery. People have started now looking at uh, potential for loss of building, uh, loss of staff, uh, loss of financial systems, loss of a key supplier. I mean, we've seen recently when uh, Carillion went into receivership, that had a massive impact on various types of organisation. So the supply chain is actually quite key in business continuity. So there are a number of different elements, uh, not just the uh, specifically the IT side of things. So so let's um well, well let's let's have a look at this again. We were talking um oh, we did some fantastic stuff before we started recording, so it's just about capturing it all again now. But um we we were talking about um the idea of whether there's a standard client for the kind of thing that you do, um you know kind of a standard Biscon client. Um so I mean, is there a standard client or or is the challenge always very different? The, the challenges are always very different. I mean, we we do work with a, a variety of different types of organisation from. Uh, housing associations, financial organisations, manufacturing, uh, just a variety really. I wouldn't say there was necessarily a standard client. Uh, We started working with uh, academies recently, schools and academies, and that was a, a different type of challenge altogether. So, um, well, so well, that's probably a good, a good entry point, isn't it? So it's, it's a different type of challenge. So, so although there isn't a standard type of clients who might want to start looking at business continuity, do, do they tend to have something in common? Now, what's the kind of states that you find them in? Now, what is it that they're looking to achieve when we talk about continuity? I, th- I think we look at the drivers. What's the drivers behind organisations wanting to have business continuity plans in place? Some of them, uh, they have uh, legal and contractual uh, requirements to have business continuity. Others do it because they, they actually see a need to be more resilient as an organisation. Uh, if they're hit by an incident, can they continue their critical activities? So that's, a, um, so that, uh, so that's quite a good point, actually. So um, uh, and maybe we can put some context around that, about why continuity planning is important. You know, we, we touched on it goes beyond IT. Um, but, you know, why, why should an organisation consider a continuity plan? You know, what's the, you know what, what's the criticality of it to them? 
but I think there's a feeling out there with a lot of organisations that it, it, incidents are never going to affect me but it's not necessarily the case. It could be something as simple as a, a, a localised power outage, which would, would stop you from doing what you, you need to do as an organisation, whether that be manufacturing, uh, whether it be office-based uh, facilities. Uh, a power outage is, is quite a, one of these things that happen regularly. Yeah, so, so we, um, we, we were discussing this kind of idea of uh, the, the different kinds of things that can create a business continuity incident, because I think we started off the show, didn't we, talking about how this was kind of born out of IT, you know, and I think people can easily look at an IT system um, and can see how that can fail and, and build, a, build a plan around that. But you was kind of just alluding to it there a little bit about the range of things that can cause a business continuity incident, you know, that might affect IT but might not. I mean, what, what are some of the things that you see that, um, that affect businesses, you know, that they need to plan for? I think IT tends to be one of the biggest ones. Uh, potential for loss of building, uh, whether that be an internal incident within uh, whichever the accommodation the organisation is using, or it could be, uh, let's say, for instance, a flood. And we've seen a lot of flooding incidents recently because of uh, the way that things have, have gone on from the environmental side of things. So it, it can be it can be very quite a fair bit to why uh, what impacts on an organisation. So I think that's a that, that's an interesting point. And I, and I was talking uh, actually in an episode that we did recently with uh, Darren Gibbard at, at Qualys, uh, and he talked about this idea of actually that when they look at um, risk, uh, that one of the things he focuses on is not so much the potential of that risk, but the idea of the impact of that. Is is that is that an important part of continuity planning? Actually, understanding the impact of an incident as opposed to you know maybe what are the chances of. Uh, you know, that, that people talk about the aeroplane landing on a building kind of thing. You know, is, is, is understanding the impact maybe more important? It's as, as important. I wouldn't say it was more important. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's fire, flood or pestilence. It's the impacts on the organisation. Uh, a fire or a flood could have the same impact, which is potentially loss of your building, loss of your IT systems if they're affected. So it, it, it impacts are quite a key part of the area, but we do look at operational type risks. What do you mean by operational risks? What's the operational risks is, is what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, it could be uh, having access to your building. It could be loss of your financial systems. Uh, but I think it varies slightly from uh, enterprise risk, which then looks at legalities. I mean, the what happens what happens uh, out of Brexit. Uh, that's more of an enterprise risk. Uh, but operational risks are the day-to-day -day risks that could affect your organisation. We do look at scoring and we, we do impact against probability. That gives us a scoring mechanism so we know what the high risks are. Uh, but then we start looking at what mitigation can be put in place to try and reduce the likelihood of that uh, incident happening or that risk happening. Uh, or if not, uh, reduce the, the probability of it happening. Change the way that you're doing, accept the risk. Transfer the risk uh, that could be uh, given some of the, the key services that you provide maybe to an external organisation so you're transferring that risk to somebody else. So that's um, that idea actually, that's not a phrase I've, I've kind of um, thought about before, this idea of, of operational versus enterprise risk. Um, because I think when we design, well, probably when somebody like me looks at business continuity, I suppose the idea that I look at is 
probably the thing that you would describe as operational risk. You know, it's loss of a building, it's you know, loss of power, it's loss of access to a building. But I think our, our idea of enterprise risk, and, and particularly because, you know, a lot of people who listen to this show are, are doing so because they are IT professionals, you know, they're either decision makers or designing architects and IT solutions. Um, I think one of the things that we've seen a lot of has been the increase in concern around loss of data, data breach. So is that something that sits with inside this kind of idea of enterprise risk? And, and is that something you're seeing as well, you know, more organisations focusing on what do we do if, if we lose data? Yeah, I think when uh, GDPR came out in uh, May this year, uh, I think we've, we've actually seen quite an increase in organisations looking at uh, the potential of data breaches, putting procedures in place that if it does happen, what they need to do. Obviously, uh, contacting the ICO within 72 hours, uh, who else needs to be contacted, who's going to contact the, uh, the actual various stakeholders, that may well have been affected by this loss of data. So I think it's uh, it, 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 we have seen quite a significant increase in uh, in data. So the um, so well, well let's let maybe dig into this a little bit. So you know the idea that um, we were talking before that there isn't necessarily. Um, a, a kind of a standard client that you would work with, you know, they, they, there isn't a, a client doesn't look a particular way for for somebody like uh, Biscon and, and yourself to get involved with. Um, but I assume they have some things in common. You know, we kind of touched on some of the areas that they may be concerned about. But if I'm listening to this and thinking, well, you know, do, do I need to think about business continuity? What what are some of the questions that you should be asking internally that would drive you to say, actually, I, I maybe need to formalise the way I, I look at continuity as a, as an organisation. I think the first thing we do is when we go into organisations, we do find a lot of the procedures are actually in place, but it's not formalised enough. And I think business continuity tends to follow a set pattern, really. Certainly, if you're going to follow the ISO standard, which is ISO 22301, that's the international standard for business continuity. And there's a good practice guidelines that have been produced by the Business Continuity Institute. So we go into an organisation, we tend to follow a, a, a similar pattern. We look at the risks the organisation, we look at the impacts on the organisation, should those risks be realised, uh, and then we will actually follow it on from there, really. So, um, so if I'm, uh, I, okay, so, so I, I'm listening to this now and saying, well, okay, yeah, I, I need to start understanding our kind of our, our appetite for risk, perhaps, you know, and I think that's, um, that's quite an interesting phrase, it was something I picked up off your website, uh, you know, I was, I was doing a bit of research before we, before we did the show. Um, and actually, maybe we'll just, uh, just ask you about that for a moment. So, so when we talk about appetite for risk, you know, what, what is it that we mean? You know, how do you define an organisation's appetite for risk? It, it, it's having a look at, uh, see what the impacts are from, on the organisation from those particular risks. I mean, a, a shop closing down for, for a day or so is, is not so much of a, an issue. But uh, an organisation that has multiple clients across the, the world, if they're impacted by an organisation, their uh, risk appetite is, is quite low, so they're quite risk adverse. They do put, put procedures in place. Other organisations, one man and his dog, who work at home, don't tend to have much of a risk appetite. It doesn't really matter whether they, if they lose access to their IT for, for a day or so, it's not going to have much of an impact on uh, but bigger organisations have a, a greater risk, uh, sorry, a lower risk appetite, so they need to concentrate more on what those risks are uh, and take it from there. So what's the, um, so, so I suppose this idea of, of risk appetite, this is the idea, I suppose, of looking then at, um, you know, I, 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 how tolerant I can be of risk, I suppose. It's, it's looking at if I were to lose a 
key system or a manufacturing plant. And I appreciate this probably, you know, obviously depends hugely on the type of organisation you are, but, but is that the right kind of idea? So it's, you know, if I, if I lose part this part of my business, either that's a huge consequence for me and I need to deal with that, uh, to the other extreme of I lose that and I don't really care. Is that is that kind of the extremes? I think that is the extremes. And when it comes to risk appetite and, and risk acceptance, uh, whether you accept that risk or whether you, you you treat that risk or you do things differently, uh, tolerate the risk or transfer the risk uh, to another organisation. But there are some uh, some risks that it, if it's not cost effective to actually put business continuity or in place or mitigation in place, then you do have to accept that risk as it is, even if it's a large financial risk. If it's not financially viable to actually put procedures in place to, to reduce the likelihood or the impact that they're happening, then you do have to accept it. So um, let's let's just go through maybe then some of the um, some of the steps that, that an organisation might take. Or, you know, so let's say they engage with yourself, they engage with Biscom, um, and they want to start to design a business continuity plan. So you kind of touched before on the idea that you will kind of do an initial review. So you will look at what what they've got right now. What are what are some of the steps that you could you can take from there? You know, so again, if I'm, if I'm listening to this show, thinking, well, what what's some practical things that I could be doing? You know, what's what's the what's the steps that you would do? So once you've kind of identified the current state of their business continuity plan what what would you do next yeah what we do is uh, initially we might do a health check with an organization or we'll do a, a carry out a review of their existing documentation uh, we've got a, a set process a number of different questions that we may well ask them uh, from there we will actually send them a pre-exercise a pre-meeting questionnaire so each of the different departments i do uh, actually answers a questionnaire based on what the risks are, what the critical activities are, how fast they need to recover that particular uh, section of the business, so what the recovery time objectives are. From an IT perspective, we also need to include uh, recovery point objectives. Uh, how much data can that organisation uh, afford to lose? Uh, from that, we will actually then go in and, and spend some time on site with each of the different departments and key people within those organisations uh, of uh, having a look at what the risks are. And we would actually discuss the information that they've sent to us beforehand. From that, we would actually re- look at uh, doing a, a risk uh, register for them. Uh, and then from that, we have a business impact analysis. And the business impact analysis looks at those key risks and what the impacts are on the organisation should those risks be realised. And then from basing all that, all that information, that becomes then the cornerstone to actually building a business continuity plan. So we will actually start looking at the various different areas of, of business continuity, uh, invocation of the business continuity plan, who's actually got authority to invoke, what does invocation actually mean for an organisation. Uh, and then we look at strategies for each of the different areas, the areas being uh, loss of people, uh, loss of IT, or da- IT and data, uh, loss of premises, loss of finance. It could be a uh, loss of a key supplier, which we mentioned before about like so Carillion. When Carillion went into receivership, had a massive impact on different organisations. So you need to look at what your key suppliers are and what business continuity arrangements they've got in place. So that if something happens, uh, if, if they can't recover, that may well impact on what you do. And we've seen organisations where they actually may buy something as simple as a, a particular screw from a, a company. If that company goes into receivership or has an incident themselves, uh, then that is going to slow down the, the supply chain. It's going to have a knock-on effect down uh, to other organisations. 
And it, so is that something uh, that, that's that's really interesting? That it's so the idea of uh, you know we, we we talk about that a lot when we talk about kind of data security. The idea of ensuring that there's appropriate security measures in place in your supply chain. But is that something then that you're seeing? Uh, is that something that companies normally appreciate that when they're building a business continuity plan? they should include the continuity plans of their suppliers or is that kind of news to them when you, you broach it? In many circumstances it tends to be news. Uh, they might ask the question uh, on part of the procurement process, do you have a business continuity plan? And they might tick yes. Nobody asks to have a look at that business continuity plan or whether that business continuity plan is fit for purpose and what the impacts of loss of that particular supplier would have uh, on their clients. Uh, so I think it is generally fairly new to them. So what we try and do is we try and expand with the procurement department of saying, okay, uh, let's give them a couple more questions. Let's have a look at their business continuity plan. Is it fit for purpose? So um, that leads us on, um, the, the fit for purpose thing uh, leads me on to something that I, I find really interesting and, and something that um, I think we often see, and, and I've, I've spoken with organisations recently where they've spoken about their continuity plans um, and and have admitted in the same sentence they've got no idea that whether it works or not. Um, and I think even that example there of a procurement department um, knowing that somebody has a business continuity plan or was asked the question and they've ticked a box but has no idea whether that works or what that actually looks like. Uh, and I know when we've we've spoken before uh, in the past and kind of my, my introduction to the work that you did uh, was this kind of thing that you do around test and exercise. So can you explain a little bit about that? You know, because obviously you guys do quite a lot of testing and continuity exercises. So so what is a continuity exercise? Um, why are they important? There's a variety of different exercises that we can do as a, with the organisations. But once we've actually finished the business continuity plan, we do tend to take it a step further. It's not, here's your plan and goodbye. It's a case of, here's your plan. Now let's look at training this out to the right people. Uh, so the incident management team would know how, how to actually invoke the business continuity plan, what it entails, what the procedures are. Uh, and then from that, we'd actually run a scenario-based exercise. Generally, the desktop exercises, but you can do live exercises, but they tend to have more of an impact on the organisation, so you don't do them that often. You can do a walkthrough of the plan, so you'd actually sit down as an incident management team and go through it section by section. It does this work. But scenario-based testing, we will actually give them a scenario. It might be a PowerPoint presentation, it might be a, 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 a news media clip. And then from that, we would actually provide a number of further injects uh, to that particular scenario and see how the incident management team get on with it, uh, what their response is, where there are gaps in what they're saying and what uh, needs to be in the business continuity plan. And then from that, we would actually produce a post-exercise report uh, and then also as part of the exercise session, uh, prior to uh, the session, we would send them a, a, a questionnaire to fill in online. Uh, it might be 10 and 15 uh, simple questions. Do you know about business continuity plans? Do you know how it's invoked, etc. And then we would follow up with the same questions post-exercise uh, as part of the, the hot debrief. Uh, and just, just gives us some uh, key performance indicators where there may well have been an increase in knowledge or may, may be further work that's uh, required further down the line but the other thing that, that uh, need to uh, bear in mind is once you've got a business continuity plan in place it needs to be maintained on a periodic basis and i would say at least annually but if there are any significant changes within the organization uh, or anything external to the organization that has an impact on business continuity that also needs to uh, invoke a review of the plan and update 
So a couple of questions on the testing and, and maintenance, actually, the plans, because that, that, that brings up another question. So, I mean, what's the kind of thing that you normally find when you test? You know, is, is that, um, you know, from a, from a technology, for me, from a technology point of view, you know, the important testing a DR recovery plan is that I, I have some level of confidence that that technology works. So if, I, you know, the, the, my recovery plan works, I can recover important data or systems. Um, and that's always good test. You know, the time to test it is not when it's actually gone wrong. And then you find out that it never worked in the first place. Now that's that's never a good start, is it? But um, in terms of a wider continuity plan, I mean, what what are the kind of things that testing often identifies? It it, it could be the simplest things really that uh, there's an understanding of if an incident ha- happens outside core hours, that such and such a person would be notified of that particular incident. In many circumstances, it doesn't necessarily work like that. If there are uh, if an organisation has an alarm receiving company, uh, do they actually contact the key holders? Do they actually contact the emergency services? So it can fail from the first hurdle. And that's what exercising is all about. It's about identifying where those areas are, where there's maybe a, a misconception of, of how things work. But other things with regards to business continuity, uh, organisations don't necessarily always pick up the business continuity plan when they're hit by an incident or to go through an exercise. And that's what the business continuity plan is there to, to guide you through the response to an incident. So we do try and make sure that when they do go through to exercises or when they do go through real life incidents, that they pick up the plan because it, it, it's there, it gives them all the information, it, it talks about strategies for recovery, uh, responding to incidents, incident manage, initial incident management, uh, contact the emergency services, arranging first aid cover, etc evacuation of the building so it pulls all that together into one simple document uh, that can be uh, fit for purpose I, I suppose the um, and he kind of hinted at it there actually that the it's that idea of almost making it second nature that when you have an incident pick up the incident plan because I, I suppose it and I suppose what I was getting at before as well is it's this and you see it's this difference between you talked before about tick box exercise from you know from a purchasing point of view. Somebody yeah. goes, "Have you got business continuity plan?" They tick the box and they go, "Well, that's fine." But that's almost sounds like that can be a problem internally as well that they've gone through because their auditors have have said you need to have a business continuity plan. So they go through the tick box exercise, but it never becomes part of the kind of the fabric of their response, as you said. You know, and is is that quite normal that actually that a company has gone through the effort of building a business continuity plan? The first incident they have it's not the first thing they do. They, they go and try and make up their own continuity plan. Uh, very much so, really. You, you, people go into automatic drive, really, uh, when it, incidents happen. This is what I think I need to be doing. But if you pick up the business continuity plan, the stage-by-stage process of this is what you need to be doing to make sure that you don't uh, miss out on, on, on uh, important things, really. So the um, uh, and we talked about maintenance of the plan. So, so when you say maintenance, I, I mean, I'm assuming this includes regular testing as well. Um, but but you know how how do you maintain a plan? What what kind of things do you do you test for? Again, I'm I'm assuming you you kind of you're testing the plan over time to ensure it's still fit for purpose. That that kind of idea. Yeah, more often than not, the plans start to go out of date as soon as you write them. <laughs> uh, more often than so, because of the uh, the contact details within plans, you might change suppliers. Staff may change their contact telephone numbers, and these are the things that you do need to keep more of a regular eye on. Maybe do that on a quarterly basis, but the overall plan needs to be. Uh, reviewed on an annual basis to make sure that everything is fairly up to date and then from that do a little bit further more training uh, because the, the more times that you you actually do go through this training process when real life incidents do happen then you will be a lot more prepared 
Uh, a lot of organisations we've seen in the past write a business continuity plan, goes on the shelf, gathers dust, uh, and when things do go horribly wrong, uh, it's out of date, not fit for purpose. So, and that's quite interesting. I think it's the idea that you you go through, you know, and I, and I suppose we see it in all kinds of projects, don't you? They go through all the effort and then it goes and lives on a shelf and, and, and what was the point, um, I suppose. But um, So, well, look, as, as we kind of come to the end of our recording time here, um, it's, so if I'm listening to this, um, you know, it's the first time really, I'm sure it's not the first time people have listened to business continuity, but, you know, if I'm, I'm listening to this and looking inside my organisation, now, what, what are the kind of, what would be the first things that I might look at to decide whether maybe is a good time to review my business continuity plan um, and, and what would be kind of the initial steps um, perhaps before you contact somebody like Biscon, you know, what, what would be the initial steps that you take internally so that you can start to develop a plan or if you've got a plan already you know how what, what are some of the things that you might be doing to say is this plan still relevant? Is this something that's still fit for purpose? I, th- I think it's picking up the documents and, and doing a scan across it, really. Uh, is it still valid? When was it last reviewed and updated? Uh, are there potential gaps in what I need to be doing? And does it cover all the areas, such as loss of people, loss of premises, uh, loss of IT systems, and what those responses would be? Uh, just making sure that they're all up to date. But if, uh, if you wanted to, uh, BizCon have actually said that we would do a, a free review of, of uh, organisations, uh, business continuity plans, and give them a bit of a health check on it. It will be a short report saying where we see the potential gaps. There's no further uh, requirement to, to, to use BISCON following that, but I think it, it just gives you an outsider's view on what you do have in place and where there may well be areas. Well, before we wrap up, actually, that's just made me think one other question, um, and I don't know whether you'll have an answer to this, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, so if you're listening to this and let's say most people listening to this show are IT professionals they work in the IT parts of their organizations but if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking yeah you know what we're, we're lacking a broader business continuity plan you know we've got an IT plan you know we, we know how to recover an IT system if we lose one it, it, if you go to your business and they kind of push back against that and say oh we, we don't need that kind of thing I mean is there any any tips you could give somebody that maybe if they're they're hearing that from an organization you know is, is there some way that they can um, I suppose extend out the importance of business continuity is much more than just IT. I, th- I think if organisations start watching the news on a day by day basis, it gives you a good insight to what can actually go wrong. It could be a fire in a neighbouring property, it could be a power outage, it could be a flood. So having a look at your own particular plans and using those as drivers really, it's not just a matter of making sure that you you please the auditor because you've got business continuity plans in place. It's looking at the wider aspect and there needs to be a joined up approach, not just IT specific, but it needs to be all departments within the organisation. Do they have their own plans in place? So, well, I, I, mean, that's, I think it's a, a good advice, actually. And I, and I know we, we kind of were ch- chatting before as well about, um, and I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes to an article that um, we'd seen on the BBC website where they kind of went through what was a, a continuity exercise um, and, and how that organisation was responding to, a, I think it was a data breach, wasn't it? Um, you know, so, so things like that would be useful as well to kind of open up the, the story a little bit and, and make companies think. It is. I mean, we actually uh, monitor Google Alerts, so we put in specific uh, information, uh, evacuation, flood, business continuity. So we pick up on what's happening uh, not only in the UK, but also abroad. Uh, And we use that as a way of of going forward with business continuity, where there may well be gaps in what we do as an organisation, because we don't just do our training and then basically stop. We're 
continually trying to progress what we do as an organisation and the services that we provide. So, um, well, I'd say, you know, I mean, thanks for this. I've learned loads in the last 25 minutes or so. I think it's a, it's a really interesting topic. And, and I think it's a topic that often maybe doesn't get the focus that, that it requires. And I think, and sometimes, and I think that there is still potentially a, an issue where continuity is just seen as an IT thing and, and actually the wider business context is, is not often considered or people just think about the big incidents, you know, they think about buildings exploding and things, they don't think about the impact of uh, weather or, you know, plagues of locusts or, or, or whatever it might be. Um, but if people um, have been as intrigued as I have about kind of what we've covered, you know, what, what's a good way that they can find out more about Biscon, get in contact with you guys, follow you online, that kind of stuff? Yeah, if you can have a look on our website, which is www.bizcon.co.uk, or you can uh, follow us on Twitter on uh, at Bizcon Planning. Okay, well, Steve, look, um, that's great stuff. I'll make sure that goes in the show notes. But um, but I think that's been a really interesting topic, and, and thanks for sharing some time with us. And uh, so, yeah, thanks for being on the show. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Paul. That's- Hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, check out techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a review? And you can also subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So, until next time, thanks for listening.